Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host, I'm David Almeida. I'm an actor in Central Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend, we watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life, and then I hit record and we talk about the show and pretty much anything and everything else it might inspire us to discuss. My guest this week is Patty Hawkins. Patty is super fun guy. He's an actor, an improviser, a stand-up comic, uh, a pop culture convention panel host. And uh, if you keep listening, you will also hear him uh, use the phrase, which I love, a cultural translator. We recorded the show over Skype due to social distancing because we are in the midst of this crazy coronavirus stuff that's going on. If you do not know what I'm talking about, uh, have a look on the Twitter or on the Instagrams and you might see some information and uh, get yourself up to speed. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's, it's really hit the press yet, you know. Anyway, I'm trying to do my part and stay home and not leave the house any more than I have to. I'm still making shows. I'm actually banking quite a few shows, so it's thankfully a productive time for the podcast while I'm not actually able to work work at the theme parks and attractions. So the shows should keep on coming as long as uh, as long as I am healthy and able to make them, I'm going to keep on posting them every Wednesday, so keep tuning in. Uh, before we begin, I do need to say hello to my new Patreon supporter, Jonathan H. Hi, Jonathan! Welcome to the family! I actually stalked Jonathan a little bit, and I found out he's an artist, and he's got some really cool artwork, including some Facts of Life-themed artwork. So I'm going to post that on the website. Check out the webpage uh, for this episode. And uh, speaking of Patreon, uh, as you know, I hate to harp on it. You can support the show. Now is not the time to be asking people for a handout for something that is completely not a necessary expense. But just FYI, I did create a new $1 level. I didn't want to get into tiers. I didn't want to get into levels. But I thought, eh, I like being able to say the phrase, you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. That's something I like saying. Now, the $1 level will get you the shout-out. It does not give you access to the other content. But just for joining, you do get to have a peek back to many of the things I have previously posted. Because when you create a new level, you then have to go back and retroactively alter each and every post to reflect which tier, which level gets to see it. And I just, I just can't. It's, it's way too much. So uh, that's my coronavirus gift to you. If you during this time are crazy enough to say, I'm going to send him a dollar a month, you'll get access to a, a, a good portion of the previously posted things for the Patreon supporters, but going forward, well, if you want the extras and the fun stuff, you do gotta pay the three bucks. And that's just, I hate it, the sordid topic of coin, but every other podcast does it, so why oh why can't I? In other Patreon news, one of my supporters named Jennifer B, she reports to me that seasons six and seven of The Facts of Life are now available on Sony Crackle. I had previously reported that some of the shows were available there. I think we were, like, season four was there. It's just been weird, because it was like they were there, then they're not, 
and now it looks like different seasons. I just don't get why the entire series can't just sit and exist on Prime Video, on Netflix, on Hulu. I don't get why it's still floating around there in these other weird places. It's like, ugh, I wish it would, I don't know what has to happen to to get it there, but it just makes me sad because in a perfect world, you'd be able to just access the episodes instantaneously and then listen to my show. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Let's get on to this week's show. This week, my guest, Patty Hawkins, and I watched season four, episode 20, called Who's On First? The original air date was March 30th, 1983. And uh, that's it. Let's just jump on in via Skype. Let's face the facts with Patty Hawkins. Patty Hawkins, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Hello. So it's a pleasure to be here. Smoking a stogie, drinking coffee, because you're by remote, and I would wager you don't have any pants on, do you? Uh, I do have pants, but they're my comfortable lazing around the house pants, which are also my workout pants. So it's the best of both worlds. You know, that's See? a nice thing. You know, you can get away with a lot. You know, when I go out in public and I don't feel like showering, then I just put on my gym clothes. Oh, I, yeah, I do that all the time. Like, yeah, I, from work because I'm going to be a sweaty mess anyway. It's mm-hmm. just like, I mean, it's a no brainer, really. Uh, so, uh, welcome. Glad to have you, even though we technically are both in town. You're about, oh, about 20 miles away, I would guesstimate. Uh, but uh, we're in a social distancing mode due to this thing that I understand the kids are calling the coronavirus. Have you yeah. heard of this? That hurt goes well with Lyme disease. <laughs> 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 but seriously, kids today, my mother-in-law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, anyway. Uh, but we'll move on and talk about the- your stand-up <laughs> career soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have one. <laughs> you had a chance to watch the show, I hope. Oh, yes. And so we watched season four, episode 20. It's called Who's On First. The original air date was March 30th of 1983. Uh And um, interesting point, this was, there had been a two-week hiatus previous to this broadcast. This Wednesday night show had been preceded by uh, a repeat on March 16th. And then on March 23rd, it was an hour-long celebration of Taxi. And uh, because Taxi had just moved to NBC this season. Curious thing about uh, about that switchover too is that that really did not happen. It's still kind of a rare. Now we're kind of used to things maybe uh, starting off on a network and then uh, a streaming platform will pick it up. Uh, one of my favorite shows, Longmire, was saved and some of this would do. But that taxi switchover, yeah, that that was, was really really rare. There's a few other things too. Uh, Mama's family also uh, bounced from network to network. Uh, And curiously enough, the original Adam West Batman series was actually going to be saved. Another network was actually going to pick it up and keep rolling with it. Unfortunately, they already struck the sets and they didn't want to invest in rebuilding the Batcave set and stuff like that. So... That's how we only ended up with like three seasons of Adam West. And uh, a recent example of that would be uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Fox canceled it. And it's an awesome show. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? 
I'm aware of it. Uh, I really should. I've seen snippets of it and I enjoy it. I recommend it. It's very funny. Fox canceled it for some stupid reason and NBC went, <laughs> gimme. We're not, this is a good quality show and it's hard to come by this shit on network television right now. And this is ready out of the box. So I hope it lasts a while. Unlike Taxi, which only did, it, uh, ABC had canceled it, NBC took it. And this season where we are right now, The Facts of Life is where it is the last season. NBC did it for a season and went, nah, I guess maybe not. Yeah. And, so, uh, so before we go into this episode, I want to ask you as the lifelong expert about this, because I'm just off of my own notes. And for a long time viewers too, bear with me. So is it safe to say at this point, the series had kind of hit its stride? Like oh God, they, yes. Yeah, because I know I know at the beginning, you know, the Hooddale, the, the the spinoff, and you know, Mrs. Garrett, and trying it out, and and God God bless them for investing in Charlotte Ray. I mean, mm-hmm. really, again, that's that's I I would not her role and her character at different strokes. I would not have said, well, can we spin her off into another series? Yeah, as a breakout star, I, I think the word you might use is unlikely. And really, yeah, I agree with you. It was that was how bad times were in 1980 as far as the networks. I mean, NBC had nothing. NBC was the strokes. Yeah, NBC was the in the bottom bottom of the bottom. And the fact that they had different strokes that suddenly caught any interest anywhere. Spin it off, do something. It was like that was what a desperate grab. And uh, yeah, NBC was it was so low at that time that the previews for Cheers mm-hmm. was just uh, was Shelley Long is that her name? Yeah, yeah, Ted was Dance lo- and Shelley yeah, Long. Was, yeah, it was, was Shelley Long. Just like guess what? The best comedy uh, next season is going to be on NBC. That's right, NBC. NBC. It was it was literally using its own. They were embracing their own reputation as being the network that nobody watched, trying yeah. to get people to get yeah, too. So the amazing bit is that it was a successful, well-written and, oh, and, oh, and God, good yeah. show. Usually, you see hubris like that, and you're like, "The best show uh, next season yeah. is gonna be Super Trade here yeah. on ABC," you know, which <laughs> everybody's talking about now because Lyle Wagner, rest his soul, just passed away. Uh, and oh, I, I was, yeah, and I was, I was first person to say, you know what? After Carol Burnett and after Wonder Woman, he should have done more instead of like Love Boat. Great. And I, but I always say too, but he was on the premiere episode of Super Trade. <clears throat> Oh, was he? Yes, he was. Oh, I he did was, not know was, that. He was Zaza Gabor's uh, boyfriend, uh, love interest, Ajinu, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like 30 years older than he. Yeah, I know. Wow. But oh, <laughs> Lyle Wagoner, I, I know you're not a, a homosexual like myself, but oh, so fuckable. Good God, he is sexy and hot. <laughs> he and, was, I, oh as I, yeah, I, as I wrote in my little thing, too, he had this, he had this very... He was like old school, like 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 Ascot, uh, handsome, but almost yeah, like in a cartoonish way. Up, but he yeah. played it up so well, and yeah. and I often thought too that again, Wonder Woman the series struck such a chord with so many gay men in my generation oh. that I, I I'm thinking it was it was four part Wonder Woman, but I also think a lot of that was this Lyle Wagner's just mm-hmm. ding and his absolute yeah. sexual innocence. Uh, agreed. Absolutely agreed that there he his presence there is a definitely a factor. Back to your original question was that yeah season one was the the shit show, 
where for 13 episodes, they really did not do very well. And it was season two when they said, let's clean the slate. And and as as I said before, NBC was in such dire straits. They said it's easier to fix this awful show or at least try to fix a show we already have up and running versus trying to develop a whole new show from scratch. So Facts of Life was absolutely a product of its circumstances and benefited greatly from uh, NBC's low place on the totem pole and then later from its uh, its time slot too and you and i as actors uh uh have been on both sides of the eraser in our careers uh (laughs) sometimes (laughs) sometimes we this isn't working let's make some adjustments and sometimes we've survived that and sometimes we haven't (laughs) yeah you know it and we and we see it on television all the time where it's Mm -hmm. like yeah you know what Rhoda, let's have her be divorced. And it's like, no, I like Joe. As a kid, I wanted Rhoda to be with Joe. How dare you? We think Richie should be the only boy in the Cunningham family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chuck who? Yeah. That's and exactly. on my daughter's wedding day, my two beautiful children. Um, Howard? <laughs> okay, but back to this episode. It was directed by Asad Kalada. K-E-L-A-D-A. He directed every episode this season, and he directs the most of all the Facts of Life episodes in its nine-year run. After this, he will go on to direct most, if not all, of the Who's the Bossesses. This episode was written by Kimberly Hill. She was a story editor for most of season four. Previously, she had written for Soap. After this, she would go on to write for One Day at a Time. But she has producer credit on 24 episodes, writing credits for seven episodes. So she's involved in this. She's not a a one-hit wonder. So um, before we start, uh, two things I like to ask my guests. Uh, First of all, do you have any connection with the show? As far as did you ever watch the show before I asked you to watch this? Uh, I did not watch it. Uh, I I want to say there were just times when I think I I think I I, I it, it quickly flipped over into syndication. I want to say mm-hmm. that it very quickly while it was still on, maybe around this time around season four, it had already been jumped into syndication. And I want to yeah. say maybe it's those two. I I. The only episode plotline I can adequately re- remember is just when uh, Mrs. Garrett is got a new bow and it turns out to be a really much younger man and it's very looked upon with suspicion. Um, oh, that must be coming up. I don't remember ye- this one. Yeah, yeah. The girls are all excited and then she says goodnight to him. They see him walk away and he's like a guy in his like maybe early 30s or something and and the audience is like, oh. Not the sexy ooh, it's like the oh, something's <laughs> wrong here or something. Uh, Which is odd because not for nothing, I mean, uh, Charlotte Ray was about uh, 56 at the time, I think of this episode, 56, 57. And I was like, and we'll come up with this. There are parts in, the, in this episode like, she's got a, she's still got a good body for her age. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, so otherwise, no, because I was a teenage kid and the show was not, for me and the weird Your bit demographic. is yeah, yeah. and you and, weren't but, a gay kid with no friends like i was so yeah <laughs> uh you know i was a heavy metal kid with very geeky friend with with little friends so yeah i was watching something else but the weird bit is it wasn't like it wasn't like something if somebody would say it you'd like poo poo you know like being 
full of piss and vinegar at that age. Like if you mentioned somebody mentioned Duran Duran, it's like, oh, I hate those guys. It's totally gay or whatever. Oh. It's like, they, yeah, nobody. If you said, yeah, if if, if you said facts of life, or I'd be like, yeah, my sister watches that show. But you know, yeah, um, exactly. Be, yeah, my my friend Trampus watches the show. Fag, but uh, yeah. Okay, so the next thing I always ask of my guests is just to give us a quick flavor of what we're about to be talking about. Would you please give a one to two sentence, very short synopsis of the entire episode, maybe like the listing you might see in a TV guide? Tonight, on a very special episode of The Facts of Life, the girls learn the importance and the power of friendship and jealousy. Ooh, nice. Ooh. You added some intrigue. You added some some announcery stuff. That's awesome. Yes. Well, you know, if you add a very special episode, that's, that's like, oh, yes. wow, it's something dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, did I mention before that we have Lyle Wagoner is apparently going to be a through line of this, that we're going to talk about him again shortly I, as we go through this? No problem with that. He is going to be coming into play. So uh, now we're going to go through the real uh, nuts and bolts of the episode. So we start in the first scene and we start in the cafeteria. We've got Blair filling out college applications. She is confident. Uh, Joe mentions that she's uh, got some money. And uh, we have Joe saying that she is going to buy some stocks in the stock market. And Blair says, well, I'm a rich person, so obviously, even though I'm 18 years old and, you know, who knows if she can even do math other than counting her money, but she's like, you need advice from me. So Blair basically says, I will help you. That's fine. And uh, then enter Tootie and Natalie with this boy. And very quickly, we realize Natalie has a huge crush on this boy whom she met at Bates, Bates Academy, the boys' neighboring school about a mile away, where they were at a basketball game. And uh, he gave Natalie and Tootie a ride back, and Natalie is just fawning. And what we have here, Patty, you don't realize this is super rare. You are watching an episode of Facts of Life with an A story and a B story. Really? That doesn't happen. Right up to the <clears throat> end of the series in 1988 the vast majority are one story one through line like like a lucy episode like a dick van dyke episode that really hadn't hit yet until the 90s with the idea of an a story and a b story that are uh only vaguely related so this was very unusual and i i couldn't believe it as it was happening i was like oh my god if that was the first time that they did it then i have to admit then it slid in very well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it it, it it kept everybody busy because yeah, you're right. If you have just one story, then oh god, everybody's got to contribute to the plot. And and what's it what's it gonna be? You know, all the girls get involved in this relationship and and everything else. It doesn't really quite that. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. I mean, an a story to b story just you deprecate it too. And as long as you sort of time up at the end, and then it's. It's, and they they realize this too later on too. It, it helps a lot with uh, just production wise. Oh, okay, we you're we're shooting the B plot tomorrow. We don't even need you today. So yeah. Go on. Oh, totally. Or just you know we do one setup, bring in the set and do that half of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, no, two things. Right. That, two very pop culture jokes for its time are right out of the gate. Right do out it. of the gate. 
yes, she makes a she makes a Calvin Klein joke. Yes. <laughs> and again, for you youngins out there, Calvin look Klein. Up, you look up designer jeans, 1980s, and I'm so surprised nobody's made a full documentary about what a strange, peculiar fad that was mm-hmm. and how it completely disappeared. Nobody cares about designer jeans anymore like everybody kind of did in the early to mid-80s. So that, that's yeah. a good throw out. And, they can uh, still she- sell Calvin Klein jeans. I, I wear Calvin Klein jeans, and I get them at Costco. I exactly. should do not. That's where you can get them now. So they're not quite the same uh, niche uh, for, audience they were before in the for 80s. A while, yeah, for a while, Jordash, all that stuff. Ooh la la, Sassoon. Yeah. <laughs> you was, got the look. I yeah. want to know better. Yep. That was Jordash, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a, a designer jeans were a curious uh, social cur- currency yep. at the time. And so very much of the pop culture. And of course, she makes the E.F. Hutton joke without buttoning it, but she, she buttons it at the end. Yeah, and I didn't like the button at the end. But yeah, yeah. She says, um, uh, Joe says, you know about stocks? And she's like, I'm a warner. When I talk, everybody listens. And for the, again, for those of you who don't know, there was an uh, investment firm, E.F. Hutton, who ran a very successful uh, program, uh, commercials, where people would say, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton says, and then everybody in the restaurant would stop what they're doing to listen to what this guy is about to say, yes. what E.F. Hutton says. Or everybody on and, the train or whatever. Yes. I was think a, I posted, I think they've done that reference before, and I think I did post one or two of those commercials. But yeah, those were a big thing. And so that's why later at the end, when Joe says, hey, what that was shitty advice you gave me, she's like, well, who do I look like, E.F. Hutton? Yeah. And so it's like, if anything, to us, to our modern audiences, some kid who doesn't know that would think that is two references to two things that they don't know what they are. It's mm-hmm. like, but they're connected. They really are. Yeah. yeah. So, be, so, be. so, yeah. So Natalie's uh, obnoxiously goo-goo over this boy. Um, and uh, this boy, we, we didn't want to talk about this boy. His name is Gil Haney. Odd name, Gil for a boy in the 80s? Like Gilbert? Yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, Gil Gerard was was kind true. of a sex symbol at the true, time. He was in his 30s. Come on. Anyhow, Gil, uh, Gil Haney is played by actor Jeffrey Rogers. Uh, he doesn't have that many credits, but the one main credit that you see is he was in a starring role of a movie called Surf 2. That came out in 84. The end of the trilogy. <laughs> are you kidding? Or are you serious? I am not making that up. You look up the commercials. Uh, surf 2. The end of the trilogy. Well, because there was never a Surf 1. The well, Surf 2. Literally. The movie and Surf was, 2 is a freestanding. I didn't. I don't remember that. I mean, I was around in 84, but I don't remember the movie. These the teen sex comedies. It wasn't mm-hmm. the type of sex you were interested in. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I have I haven't seen it in decades. It, I think I, in the early in the early nineties, it rolled over on Showtime at like two in the morning, and I caught it. But uh, yeah, and like another eighties reference, uh, R-rated teen sex comedy, sex sex comedies. After the success of the Porky's franchise, we're just all over the place. Hard bodies, where the boys are, eighty four. Uh, all that, uh, definitely. But the police, who are, pro- I assume, the adults who have to deal with all the crazy shenanigans of all the kids in this movie. The two police officers are played by Ron Palillo, Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. Yes. He plays Deputy Underwear. 
and his boss is Chief Boyardee, played by Lyle Wagoner. Wagner. That is our Lyle Wagner full. <laughs> but, oh um, my goodness. It's on YouTube. I will post the link to this. The entire <clears throat> movie is on YouTube. Tits and everything, I, by the way, will point out nice. how funny that stuff sneaks on by. But, uh,. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about this actor, Jeffrey Rogers, he and uh, Eric Stoltz are the two big stars of the movie, like big time. And uh, the audio commentary on another movie he appeared in, Friday the 13th, part three, he is apparently Jeffrey Rogers is now a doctor in New York. I did do a Google search and I could not find him, Hmm. but... Uh, Yeah, in Friday the 13th, part three, he plays Andy, most memorable that while his girlfriend is in the shower, he's outside the shower in his jeans, walking on his hands, at which point Jason shows up and he sees Jason upside down and he splits him in half, starting at the crotch. Yes, he gets him. He gets a machete through the crotch. And and for and again, uh, not to correct you, but uh, uh, it's actually Friday the 13th, 3D. Oh, oh, totally. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Absolutely right. I think somebody. I, they, 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 they have dropped it in years in its, in its theatrical release. It was Friday the 13th 3D. And then after that, from now on, in flat. It's so hard in the 80s to bring back 3D. For all the kickback to the 50s, all the nostalgia for the 50s, they were trying to push into the 80s. 3D movies, that was one of those. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Patty is now trying to. He, he's given me a full count Floyd from SCTV. <laughs> Here, Mr. And President, sign this bill. Dun, yes. dun, 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 with this pen. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, bless. Well, anyhow, Natalie is clearly smitten with this boy, and he seems to be interested back. And uh, Despite it, his scurrilous reputation. Yeah, he seems to be have have a lot of girls and Natalie's kind of a little insecure about it. But he did. Well, while Tootie was off going for some stamps, because that's what you do at a basketball game. Sure. You, you go buy stamps um, Tootie, That was Tootie being a good wingman is what it was. But he asked Natalie out on an official date and she accepted. And uh, they are all very excited. Mm-hmm. So then we go to the next scene in the cafeteria again. Tootie is really excited because she's made this popcorn and it's because she and Natalie are going to have a night alone watching something on TV. And uh, she hasn't seen Natalie because she's been so busy. And over the last week, she's been spending all her spare time with this boy, Gil. And uh, the others do confirm that Natalie is clearly beyond smitten to the point that she is uh and doing a lot of study dates a lot of study dates which will come back to do it uh so that's where it is and then uh natalie comes in and guess what she can't hang she has to get oh they're wearing each other's clothes or something so she says i have to give gil his shirt back so natalie um bails on tootie again tootie is pissed Uh uh-huh and in our B story, Joe says that her mother has signed the forms allowing her to purchase stock because she's technically only eight. Well, like Joe is 18. Joe should be able to buy stock on her own. But anyway, she yeah. buys this stock that Blair recommends, and it's called 
Kramer's Compact Limo Company. This is one of those jokes of compact limos of the future. You know, limos are big cars. Well, these are the little version. <laughs> Be as big as the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> but she says, and this is interesting. She says she owns a full share. One full share. She has $30. Yes. Uh, it's like, that's a, that's a little bit of an expensive stock for a startup compact limo company. One share. I mean... I'm just saying, like, I think nowadays in modern times, even with the stock market plummeting and doing all its craziness, I feel like Amazon, you could buy for $30 a share today. I, I think so. Yeah, I just, you know, it's it's not, not my forte, but I was just like, $30, one share. That's, yeah. It, she might have just said $30, quote unquote, worth of stock would be yeah. the way to do it. Because you have fractional shares and, you know, I've done... The, because there was no there was no payoff for having just one share i thought okay there may be a deal that she's got one share so it's going to be something at the end well i'll split it with you you can't split one share waka 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 and oh oh that's true that could have been a joke but actually you can can. oh really fractional shares that is a term in the finance world uh yes Oh, start. Uh, anyhow, so that's what happens in that scene. Anything else in uh, in that scene strike you, bring up any memories or feels that you need to be felt? This episode does raise up, especially in teens, this does definitely raise up because teens are figuring it on out and they do carpentalize, mm-hmm. oh, we're in a relationship now, so we can only be with other people in a relationship and the single, you know, bestie, friend, whatever is is cut off. As we've yeah. seen this episode, and yeah. no, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a valid. Very, it's, it's very. This is this episode is very true to life at its core for yeah. to, for kids this age to to kind of see this. That's why I I, I give it props. Yeah. So. Yeah. If Natalie was 35, then that makes her a bad person. The fact that she's 16 and doing this, you're like, of course, this is something. This is literally what the show is about: navigating yes, this, this is- stuff as you are learning as you go in your exactly. adolescence. Totally. Exactly. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad early on, you know, uh, you know, she doesn't, uh, Charlotte Ray doesn't step up, but then she does, which is good. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, this, the stage is definitely set for, um, you know, 2D helped create this relationship and it's become her Frankenstein monster. Yes. Oh, beautifully put. Beautiful. <laughs> beautifully nerdy. I do have to yeah. say. <laughs> so then the next scene, we are in the lounge. And Natalie and Blair are having some girl talk time. Oh, by the way, there is a running thing that I kind of love where every time they have to talk seriously, like boy talk or I have a hard heart, it's always come in the lounge, come in. the. They always have to go over and retreat to the couch. It's not right. really a joke, but it is a nice little running thing. And and I've said before, I love the lounge the, or the parlor, I sometimes call it. Uh, uh, that's a that's a lovely little running thing in this episode. Uh, but as Natalie and Blair are having girl talk, just Natalie kind of really and truly you can kind of get the idea of the social currency of having a boyfriend in that Blair has had so, so many boyfriends that Mm -hmm. Natalie is now able to talk to Blair about this thing and they can now bond in this way. It's, it's kind of nice that they picked up on that and included it in this episode. As an outsider, I would never have, have known that, but I guess it does make sense that that for Natalie, not only is I guess this is probably the first 
real love interest she's gotten that's reciprocated. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of she's she's outside of her 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 weight class. Self. No pun intended. She's really kind of above her ahead of her curve. So this is a yeah, popular, but- well liked boy, and she's not frumpy or anything but i mean she's a five and she her boyfriend right now is a seven <laughs> okay who who do you who is uh who is an eight or a nine or a ten according to patty hawkins when it t- t- putting aside that they're the, the older ones are 18 this isn't creepy or you can say you were young when they were young too if i was at that age bracket i might have just gone for joe just because you know, I like tough girls, and and uh-huh. let's face it, she's from the wrong side of the tracks, which means she's easy. Uh, oh no! Or There's at least about that, Patty. He <laughs> yeah, learned his lesson, again, and you didn't. <laughs> which again, in my mind at that time, is just like, oh yeah. And, and if she smokes cigarettes, oh man, you're in like Flint. Oh wow. So many guys are into, so many straight guys who've been on the show are into Joe. They're not like, oh, well, pretty gorgeous Blair, of course. They're always, the, the general consensus is that, yeah, Blair, yeah, she's pretty, but wow, you can tell she's high maintenance. And Joe is so much more earthy and matter of fact and just grounded, I guess is the best word. If you were doing Shag, Mary Kill, I shag <laughs> Joe, I kill shag. Blair. I kill Blair, and I would probably marry Tootie just because all around I think she's, I think I think she would be the the yeah I I, I this this would be a good person to spend the rest of my life with if I was the type that met another human being and want to spend the rest of my life with like that. Well, um, she does grow up to be an actress, so you would have had a lot in common. You two could have navigated your careers together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tootie comes in and is like, "Is a new Lionel Richie song I want you to hear. Lionel Richie. <laughs> but um, very quickly, Tootie tries to get included in this conversation. And she's like, well, I'm your best friend. you know." And Natalie says, well, it's hard to explain to you. You've never been there. And Tootie's kind of like, well, th- then explain it to me. So, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, so, that, uh, that line was harsh. Yeah. <laughs> that line was, well, you've never been like. And we've had issues before with them being dismissive of Tootie, with treating her like a baby. And she's only a year younger than Natalie. She is a little naive sometimes. We'll give her that. That's necessary because you do need an innocent among the group uh, for just for plot purposes. And and the the visual cue of her wearing braces kind of didn't just visual. It's a visual denotation that you're not quite grown up yet yeah yeah in that smug sense that a 17 year old would look at a 15 year old you know it's like you're not mature (laughs) enough yet Tootie. you'll understand when you get older yeah like me yeah yeah exactly so uh what happens is uh oh oh so then we got to get our b plot in here joe shows up joe is ecstatic her stock is up a quarter point so, 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 so Joe's $30 investment has become $37.50. Oh. Now, if she sold it, minus all the fees and the transactions and everything else, she would still be below the line. But the whole fact of the matter is, is that she was all like, wow, I made $5. Now, granted, in the 80s, $5 was worth a little more than $5 is now. I could buy you a car. <laughs> well, not quite that. 
But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So the whole fact of the matter is, is that she's gleeful and she's actually um, grateful to Blair. Mm-hmm. True. This is this is yeah. this is a weird and I, and I imagine that probably does not happen very often. I mean, I I imagine they're 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 always supposed to be the cats and dogs, you know, oh, the, yes. the highbrow and the lowbrow. You know it, yes. And and Blair, mm-hmm. of course, giving giving the giving the plebeians some of her patrician wisdom, you know, is now <laughs> like <laughs> so. And uh, yeah, I sure hope nothing happens later in the episode that topples this great achievement pinnacle. Gee, I sure hope so. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 I'm just I'm I'm rather amazed that uh, that the stock of that company is actually listed in the the uh, stock report. Uh, it, <laughs> there 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 are so many questions, and we're not I, even economists. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But and that's and that's another thing that another thing that dates this too about how yeah before the internet and the live feeds and everything else. I mean, if you were a professional, you had a ticker tape machine and everything else. Otherwise, you'd have to wait till the end of the day to look at the stocks in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But um, the episode commercial break happens after the phone rings, and it is Gil. Tootie answers the phone, and you know, like you do, you just give messages to people to tell other people. You don't say, is Natalie there? May I speak to her, please? It's, Mm -hmm. oh, hi, you're a total stranger. Would you give Natalie a message for me? I'll be at the bookstore at 6.30. At which point, uh, Tootie says, okay, I'll tell her, and then turns to Natalie and says, uh, Gil called. He had to cancel. <laughs> Evil laugh. He didn't yes. say. And Natalie's like, well, maybe I should call him and ask what's going on. And Tootie's like, nah, don't call him. I, I heard a voice in the background, and I think it was a girl's voice. And Natalie's like, what? He's cheating on me? Holy shit. Mm. Fuck that guy. I'm yeah. so glad I have you. At least with you, Tootie, I've got one real friend. Fade to black. Yes. Irony dripping. Yes. Um, All right. During the commercial break, Patty, this is the yes. getting to know you section where I like to talk to my guests and their careers. Okay. So if you would please give me a little bit of a mctour of your life. Give me quickly, where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school, if at all, and how did you come to Orlando? Uh, I was uh, born in Nashville, Tennessee, but my parents quickly moved away from there before I picked up any uh, local colloquialisms or whatever. Uh, my, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my, God for that. <laughs> my my earliest memories are from a little podunk town. Actually, it, I thought it was podunk. Turns out it's it's a it's a C plus town in Indiana called Richmond's. And okay. uh, my dad worked for the uh, cable company and by cable company, not cable TV, like he manufactured cables uh, and stuff like that. He was in marketing and, and stuff and uh, he hated the snow. So we moved to Florida in the late 70s. And I've always considered myself to be Indiana boy at heart because when I moved to Florida, I went from third grade to fourth grade scholastically, but uh, socially I went from fourth grade to like eighth grade because I was the only non-New Yorker in South Florida. And uh, there was just a lot of just, uh, so is there a Boy Scout trip around here? Boy Scouts, what are you, gay? You know, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of, that was kind of that way too. Um I went to uh, went to college in uh, New York. I went to school of visual arts for the film program for uh, two years, and then I I dropped out of that because I should have gone out to California 
And California, they, they want you to make movies. In New York, they want you to make films. Oh, and, gotcha, yeah. And again, too, I was full of piss and vinegar back then and, and stuff like that. But by the same token, so were they. There's there's a lot of, of poncy, snobbish intellectualism and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're so dead set against commerce. And it was just, yeah, okay. it was, it was, it was. Yeah, they, like I was wrong for them, and they were wrong for me. And looking back on it, but I, I hung out with a lot of people in the cartooning program, many of which have been my lifelong friends still to this day. Uh, I've always been, I've always been a comic book sci-fi sort of geek, was it too? So that's twenty years ago. Moved up to Orlando for six nine months, and then was going to go to California, and yeah, that was twenty two years ago. So, and I'm finally at the point in my life where. I finally found something that I think I'm good at and I legitimately enjoy and the people I'm doing it for literally enjoy me. Um, I've enjoyed working for the attractions, but I've had a tumultuous history with them back and forth. I have a milk money job um, and I'll just leave it at that. And uh, But my main career I've been working on for the past three years has been I fell into – being a host and MC at uh, comic conventions, oh, um, nice. I, I do a lot of uh, Q and A's with the uh, celebrities, and I, I I was basically inspired by about five years ago. I saw a really dreadful one uh, where that when an actor was just by himself and is up there, and fans were just I was saying asking wrong questions, but there was just no. I just looked at everything. And I said this could be better, and. Over the years, I kind of was able to, to, to knock on some doors, and I was with a, a group of comedians, the Geeks of Comedy, by a lot of our, our Disney peers. Oh, you know, yes. Kevin yeah. found it. It was Kevin White's idea, and, and we partnered up. We did it together. Will Hageman, Arnie Ellis. I mean, so we were doing uh, conventions and doing some comedy there, and then I sort of – from there, I, was, I, I kind of worked my way up. I was doing a Doctor Who podcast for a couple years, and basically I just sort of worked my way into uh, – uh, Getting a getting a couple of opportunities to uh, to host these things, and I just sort of lo- I I came into it with again some of the skills that uh, we use at Disney, and um, a lot of the convention world has been very static. A lot of conventions will do stuff in terms of entertainment offerings or even formats just because they've seen it done that way at other shows, mm-hmm. and. And not to say that I'm 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 Prometheus bringing fire to the uneducated, but I just was, <laughs> but I was literally just like, uh, you know, I maybe I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. And and, and I've 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 had some failures, um, but I think at this point I've I've really gotten I've really gotten to the point of okay, I love my the audience and the guests with equal energy. And yeah. that's that's something that a lot of people do. Some some moderators. I hate the term moderator. Uh, I, I always say I'm what a host. What term do you prefer? Just I host. I say host. Okay. host. Because uh, talking to somebody who is on a, a show with uh, with laser guns, you know, doesn't mean uh, political debates need to be moderated. And, and <laughs> treaties and divorces need to be moderated. I, I, I think a Q&A should be hosted. Tell That's me, not... who was the person that you uh, – what is at the top of your resume that I hosted a panel and this celebrity was there? What is – for you personally, what is your top – I think I had a I had a I had a some I had a semi-viral moment with Alex Kingston from Doctor Who, okay. and when we found out that Jodie Whittaker had just been announced oh, as Doctor yeah. Who, 
and it went mm-hmm. semi-viral and of course she had a wonderful thing to it and and i'm sitting there beside her and we're laughing and whatever so that was that was amusing um I had a really good one with with Karen Gillan, where like everything but the kitchen sink had, had happened, and um, and I'm I'm pretty fun at like I'll bring people up to the stage, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't do it. But the nice thing is, is that the the, the guests have trusted me at that point that I'm not going to bring a lunatic up or, or whatever or something to that effect. So yeah. and it's a specific skill set. Hosting is something and we are lucky that we get to hone this skill. Usually often in our theme park work, we get great on the job training for that. But for the people, it's like, oh, we have a big famous person coming to this con. So our director of accounting is going to be the one who facilitates. Something like that. Too. And like, you need an actor. You need a performer who understands the showmanship that's necessary. And also, too, I speak geek. And I speak yeah. actor. So I have been a cultural translator many a times. Somebody will what come on. What a great up. term. Uh, yes. I'm not, that's what you're going to be. You are going to be my guest. Cultural translator, Patty there Hawkins. <laughs> there wow. you go. One other thing I want to ask you is uh, you do say that you're a comic book nerd and you know you can facilitate these panels because you have a vast knowledge of a lot of the nerd culture things. What is the one thing you are most nerdy about? I... Oh, his... Oh, I'm. he's suffering. I can see in your face. It's like, how do you sort I, it out? They're all your children. I, I, ha- I, I have a pyramid. I have a pyramid Go. where like there's Tell one thing at the pyramid. top and then there's two underneath that, and there's four underneath that. So the very top of the pyramid is The Prisoner, which okay. is a show most people have not seen. It's, uh, it that was would a, be me, yes. Yes. Uh, the short version, a James Bond-esque sort of spy quits his job, mm-hmm. is kidnapped. He wakes up in what looks like uh, an island that's like a wonderful village resort, but it is an Orwellian prison that he is trapped there. Uh huh. Cool. Full of spooky brainwashing and '60s weirdness and all kinds of mind fuckery. And um, it's a it's a perpetual stalemate. He tries to escape, he can't. But they try to break him and they can't. And it all hinges on one thing. They want to know why he resigned. That's like the they they put one thing. So it's interesting. This, it's this very cerebral sort of war, and it's it's very well regarded. It's it's uh, I think I think the first episode is on YouTube for free, and by all means, like, check it out. Oh. so that's 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 the pinnacle. Well, that sounds so, cool. I need to look into that. I'm wow. That's the thing. Nerd culture has exploded. There is with all the content that's out there. There's just there's too much, and I I can't keep track. And before my brain explodes, let's get back to simpler times and the facts of life. We come into the cafeteria, and God bless him. Natalie's sitting there. Gil comes in, and he's mad, but he's like, where were you? And she's like, what do you mean, where was I? Where were you? And she said, Tootie said, you canceled. And he said, well, I didn't. Tootie tries to sneak by, hiding herself with her binder, because that works. I've usually had success with walking through a room covering my face with a binder. Uh, But anyhow, they... uh, pretty much quickly realize what has happened. Tootie has run off to Mrs. Garrett's bedroom to help her to fold her sheets. Mrs. Garrett's like, you don't have to help. And Tootie's like, uh, yes, I do. Mm. And then Natalie comes in and they start fighting. They get into it. And in a very weird, weird 
thing. Mrs. Garrett is adamant that she wants to stay out of it. You don't know the show as well, but did that strike you as weird that she wouldn't, on some level, at least try to referee and defuse the situation? I, 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 yeah, I thought her whole narrative function in the show was, okay, this is where her character walks on in and, and puts her arm around both of them and gives a yeah. little speech. But, and, may, but maybe by the same token, maybe she did make that choice of, you know, they need to hash this out so they can figure it out later. Yeah. You know, you know there's I, some... You know, there's some points in other shows where two guys are fighting and the other guy is backing up. No, 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 no. They need this. They need this. Yeah, I, I guess it's just weird because in my mind there are there are two wrongs here that that are brought about. As far as it's like, well, you've been ignoring your friend. Well, you fucking lied. And I, I don't think it would have been overstepping her bounds for Mrs. Garrett. You know, when that does come out. It's sort of like, well, are you on my side? Oh, well, that is a good point. Well, what about this? Oh, that's a good point, too. You're no help to us. And it's like, ugh. I don't know. They were just and trying then, to create some comedy. and the, Yeah, yeah. And, and even at the end, when she does finally decide, okay, now I'm going to walk in here. Like, oh, no, this is between us. You know, wackety-schmackety-doo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, then we go into the cafeteria. And uh, Blair is there. And she's reading the paper and she's like, uh oh, fuck, Joe can't see this. Why? The stock nosedived a whole point. Joe comes in. She's already aware. She's mad and very upset. Mm. And then uh, in comes Natalie. And Natalie is like she can't speak. She is so furious. She's like, <laughs> and it turns out. What Tootie had predicted, she said, he's just using you and going to dump you after the English final. That's why all your dates have been study dates. And that's why you guys have been going to the bookstore and the library. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That's what he did. And then Tootie comes in with two friends. She's been trying to create a different social life for herself. And Natalie is just trying to be like, oh, I need you. Come and- back begging for your old job, have you? Yeah. And and the beauty is we do have a moment where Mrs. Garrett basically says to, whoa, 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 you're mad right now because Tootie's off with her other friends and she's not here for you. And she goes, uh, I said that. And then she says, and then you were mad because of this, but you've been ignored. I did that. And Natalie does kind of come up to the uh, the realization. She's like, I'm terrible. And it was really fun. It was really cute. <laughs> it was. And and. And to the the character's credit, yeah, I mean, she went through that blind teenage love stage where, again, the blinders were on. And now it was past. You're able to say, oh, by the way, the whole time you were wearing these. It's like, I was? You know, it's like, I was. Yeah. So, and and it's it's good to see her come full circle. Yeah. And I'm wrong. I'm sorry. He didn't break up with her because of the thing. I, I, I thought that. As I was making my notes. No, no. In fact, when Tootie says to the friends, and by the way, the friends we've seen before, we have seen both Jenny and Terry, and uh, we've seen them before. They've only sporadically been on. Jenny's been on uh, 
one other episode. Terry is this is Terry's fifth and final appearance. She's oh. the Terry's the African American girl, and I like Terry. I wish they had used her more. But uh, this is our farewell to Terry episode. But uh, when 2D says, guys, I, I think Natalie needs me now. So she goes off. And then it's like, all right, what's happening? Well, let's go into the lounge. Girl talk time mm-hmm. again. Right. And uh, what I said before is untrue. Natalie says she saw Gil with another girl. Mm-hmm. And so Natalie is just assuming the worst. And 2D says, you just need to call him. And uh, he's crazy about you. 2D is now reassuring. And... Uh, it's really nice and they basically make up and Natalie says, I've been terrible. I've been ignoring you and now you're helping me. And uh, 2D says, friendships take time and care and input. And Natalie says, I need you both. I'm lost without you. I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very perfect teenager speech. Perfect very, teenager very, speech. yeah. Very much so, and, very and, much so. And then it ends with Natalie just saying, hey, the phone's right there. Call him and hash it out, and I'm here for you. And it's a lovely, beautiful reaffirmation of reaffirmation of their friendship. And uh, all in all, uh, I – oh, oh, and, and to wrap up the B story, Joe says, eh, I got out of the stock market. I sold it. It was just too volatile. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. And it's for, like, no, you don't sell when the stock is down. What's the matter with you? You keep it in for the long haul. The stock market is a long-term thing, not a short-term. Anyway, the finance non-expert that I am will have to step away from that one. Right. And uh, so final thoughts about what did you think of this as far as if this was your first real digestion of one of these episodes in all these years? Well, again, I... I I think I think I think this I think this show was very good for who it was meant for at the time of its showing. I think mm-hmm. that um you know it's 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 kind of odd because I there's a lot of this show that I see uh reflected now in what's referred to as like the Nickelodeon uh Disney sort of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. The same yeah. sort of comedic Which timing are for kids of, now. Yeah. yeah. That whole what, huh, what, you know, that yeah. which has been yeah. which has been satirized and stuff like that. So honestly, I see a, a, a lot of that at the beginning. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like the I feel like the show is that they're they they are trying to worm in a little. I won't say a lesson, but maybe an example of but, things. But no, I think less, I think that's wrong. what the show. That I think that's appropriate and right that you could call it a lesson, and that's what the with, show often. At its best, did provide without the obligatory like a, a, a cartoon or something. The character like in today's episode, we saw how yeah. jealousy could affect. You know, yeah, we don't we don't see He Man or Shazam or other characters coming yeah. out. Just for those of you too kids too stupid to understand this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. racism is bad, yeah. bad, bad, <laughs> yeah. bad. You know, well, those of you planning to ignore your friend when you get involved in a relationship, <laughs> don't do it. Now. By the same token, though, Tootie kind of gets away with it. She, I mean, she probably gets a little, a little bit, but I, I kind of yeah. felt like I felt I think Natalie had a more complete arc in this than than Tootie did. Yeah. Call me. You wanted, you wanted Tootie to get a little more comeuppance. I would have been okay with that too if that had somehow blown yeah. up a little more in her face. That would have been kind of nice. And the, there's one thing that, about this show that I, I, I realized is watching this through too is that I'm sure issues today 
or the issues. There's a lot of issues going on today about representation or whatever. But one thing that I kind of like about this show is that whatever social or, or economic or racial differences that the characters have, and I'm sure in the history of the show, those have probably been touched upon. But I, I do just kind of like that they're all there. I like that they're all there and there's none of this heavy duty modern politicking whatever it is like no they're four girls they're all different and they're all friends roommates buddies or whatever and we're not beating you over the head with uh, well as a so you know no one has to preface this by saying well i come from the streets it's like well i come from rich and i come from this true so and this and in this in this day and age it seems like oh we gotta get hit over the head with that so for that i i I very much appreciate it and uh yeah i I can see where your fandom and other people's fandom and, and enjoyment of, of this show absolutely comes from. I did not walk mm-hmm. into this with a smarmy, ironic, <laughs> mystery science theater. Yeah, I don't know why. No, no, no. This show's not hard. Some shows we do that. Some shows we absolutely yes. do that. We shit all over yep. many of these episodes. And uh, this is not one that uh, calls for it. This one uh, worked for me. It was not... Uh, it, it didn't fall. I know earlier this is this is no diss to you. Earlier you said on a very special episode of Facts of Life, that's become such a trope. But this really isn't. This is one of those. Oh, it's just the girls hashing out a hiccup in their friendship. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like you know, Tootie, I got an abortion. It's. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little, you know, it's a lighter on the lighter end of the spectrum as far as subject matter and all that. And and uh, I liked it. Yeah. So, Patty, thank you so much for hopping on the Skype and whizzing you. through these magical airwaves and wires that bring you into my home. I hope to have you back. And uh, this has been fun. I hope you've had fun, too. I absolutely have. Uh, please, I would love to come back anytime and uh, talk about uh, this really interesting and fun cast, this fun show, and um, all the other uh, rabbit holes we went into. And by all means, if you want to have me back for a sideline sequel, we could talk about Surf 2, and or we could talk about the career of Lyle Wagner, because any excuse to go back and watch episodes of Super Train, I'm down for. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we will see if we can make that happen. All <laughs> right. Thank you so much, my darling, for being on the show. Smooches and goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Patty Hawkins. He is a profoundly well-versed man in the nerd culture, as I'm sure you could tell. I'm going to put his social media links in the show notes. You can follow him on Twitter or Instagram and see some of the pictures of the cool celebs that he has uh, been able to meet through the panels that he has hosted at the cons. It's pretty cool. And I cannot believe he actually knew the byline to Surf 2, that he knew the end of the trilogy, that is that is insane to me. I will post a link to the whole movie on YouTube on the webpage as well. Patty did refer to an episode where Mrs. Garrett dates a younger man. And I said, I didn't remember that one. I figured it was coming up uh, ahead. No, that is an episode from the past. It is a Different Strokes episode. It was season two, episode four of Different Strokes called Mrs. Garrett's Romance. I will post a link to that on the webpage. And uh, funny things to notice from the episode. Number one, Mrs. Garrett is going to night school. She has met this younger man through attending classes at night school because, you know, she hasn't done enough with her life in all of her multiple careers. And all she refers to is a self-awareness class. 
And she says, I'm broadening my horizons and expanding my consciousness. So she's studying self-awareness. I don't recall there being a course. Is that like a psychology course? Huh. And the other thing is that the younger man she's involved with is played by Philip Charles McKenzie, whom you will remember in the 80s as being on the TV show Brothers as the super, super gay guy. And then he was on the TV show Open House with Allison LaPlaca. That was one of the early Fox shows. And uh, Ellen DeGeneres' first sitcom where she was a supporting player. And then he would actually go on to become a very respected TV director. And many, many credits from him that you can find on the IMDb's. Uh, last two things about the episode is that we never hear about Gil ever again. So I guess we can assume that the phone call that Natalie is making at the end of the episode doesn't go well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, other little just random, silly, stupid David thing. When Tootie gives Natalie the coin to use for the payphone, she pulls it from behind her patch on her cardigan. The patches are pockets. I'm going to say that again. The patches are pockets. I have never heard of that. Have you? If you have, message me. Let me know. I think it was just a very, very convenient thing because the rest of the costume doesn't have any pockets on it anywhere. Just a completely thing done out of convenience. And the last bit of information is I've talked about Asad Kalada before and his involvement with Who's the Boss, but I've always been kind of uncertain. Well, I actually looked it up because, oh, the information is out there. Uh, of the 196 episodes of Who's the Boss, Asad Kalada directed 117 of them. By contrast of the 201 Facts of Life episodes, he directed 77 of them. And so his, uh, with Who's the Boss, he directed a, a larger number of episodes and a larger percentage of overall episodes of that. So uh, Who's the Boss is really a, a bigger thing in his career than The Facts of Life is. Now let's move on to next week. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 4, Episode 21, Help from Home. And I'm going to be joined by returning guest, actor, singer, puppeteer, funny guy, improviser, Wesley Slade, who's also a very good friend of mine. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I will also add, in these weird times, please be safe, be sane, and stay healthy. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>